I guess if we were to title what we're teaching or speaking on, it would, we would call it the signs of the times, if you will, while, while everyone is giving this evening. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 2. I tell you, it's time to serve the Lord. It's time to go to a new level of serving God. If, if you're one that does not serve God on a, in such a way that it consumes your life, you need to start doing it. I'm telling you that we're living in a day and an hour in which people are falling away from God, falling away from the things of God. There is opposition for the first time in, I don't know, maybe ever. Uh, there's persecution against the church in America. You say, persecution against the church in America? Yeah, when the churches get shut down, that's persecution, no matter how, how they get shut down. You know, if you ever study any of the revivals and moves of God, there was Oh, a man named John Alexander Dowie, who was used powerfully in, in the healing ministry. And uh, in his particular nation where he lived, the pneumonic plague hit his church. And they never shut church down. Uh, they just kept having church. But he was doing up to 10 to 12 funerals a week, his church members, watching his church members die. And he began to cry out to God, and God gave him a revelation of healing. And God literally healed every person in that church that was affected with it. And then from that point on, nobody in that church died and they died in mass all around. Back in the, uh, I believe the 1870s, he ended up coming to, uh, uh, to, to the United States, bringing his healing ministry here. Uh, but it was a powerful testimony uh, to God's keeping power. Now, a lot that's going on, you know, in the world, you can sit in front of the television set all day long and Listen to the news about the, you know, the pandemic, the epidemic, all that's going on, the financial crisis that it's bringing, the, uh, the crisis in the nations we're talking about now, these, these uh, smaller third world nations that are literally having problems uh, even getting food. And so we, all, we need to be aware, aware of that. But you know, there is a bigger picture of what's going on. And if you understand the bigger picture of what's going on, then you're more able to see your, your place in that picture. I remember years ago, one of the most profound things I heard, Dr. Lester Summerall actually said it to a group of us ministers personally. He said, if you do not recognize the day and hour in which you live, you will fail to walk in that, in that which God wants to do in that day and hour. Well, I believe that this is the beginning of that which is going to culminate with the rapture of the church upon the earth. I believe that we're living in such a time in which the things that need to happen to cause what we would know as the Antichrist system, which is a, going to be a one world government, to come onto the earth. Now, one of the most amazing phenomenons that's going to happen out of this, you know, many nations in the world have lost their sovereignty. You know, when I first began to minister in Europe, when you went from one 
nation to the next, you always had to produce a passport. Uh, even if you traveled, like from, uh, I would go from Ireland, and I'd go over to, uh, to uh, England, to the, you know, to the British, to the island there, and I'd go to Wales or up to Scotland or in England itself. You'd always have to, you know, they'd, they'd, you'd fly into Heathrow or Gat, uh, Gatwick Airport, and they'd stamp your passport, and that would give you the right to go into the nation. I'd go up to Finland and preach, and I'd fly into Finland. I'd have to go through customs immigration. They'd stamp the, uh, my passport, but you don't do that anymore. In Europe, Europe is a, a, a place now in which many of those nations are now considered like the states of the United States. Uh, many of those nations make up what's called the European Union. So we see that beginning to happen. Now, this particular situation in its, in its what I would call a spiritual design. You say, what do you mean? Well, with the entire world being shut down uh, by, by a disease. Uh, no matter how uh, bad the disease or how, uh, you know, how weak a disease, it doesn't matter. It shut the whole world down. This is what is beginning to weaken the sovereignty of all nations. Uh, you're going to see in the days and weeks and months ahead, you're going to see the, uh, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, all these different organizations that have to do with globalism and global government, you're going to see them strengthen and get stronger and stronger and stronger. You say, well, why do you say that? Because we're seeing it now. I mean, I'm not saying this prophetically. I'm saying this naturally. It's happening right now. They're giving uh, power to people, unelected people, people that have not been elected. They're giving power to these people, uh, greater powers than elected people have. I mean, it's an amazing uh, phenomenon. Now, couple that with uh, the phrase or the term, Jesus is coming back. Now, uh, one of the things that, Growing up in the church that I grew up in, being around the men and women of God that I was around, I had many emotions. Uh, I remember people used to hear, especially prophecies, tongues and interpretation of tongues, when they would go forth and end up with the phrase, and Jesus is coming back soon. Many times it would spark a, uh, a, a, a time of repentance. People would come to the altar. People would cry out to the Lord. I remember one particular Sunday night. I was probably about 13, 12 or 13 years old. There was a couple in our church that sang. And after the praise and worship of the church and the announcements uh, before Dad Goodwin got up and taught, this couple got up and sang and they sang a song called Wasted Years. <laughs> I'd never let anybody sing that song here. It was, a, it was like one of those, you know, sick, sorry and sober songs. But the Holy Ghost got in that song. And people started thinking about the years they had wasted. And then a tongue and interpretation went forth about the wasted years of men and women's lives. And it ended with the, with the phrase, gee, and Jesus is coming back. And I'm telling you, the altars filled up. And I thought he was coming back like the next day or the next week, you know. And as a, as a, as a you know, 12, 13-year-old boy, I felt really uh, robbed of my life. I felt like, you know, this isn't fair to me. Uh, I don't think it's right uh, that I can't grow up, that I can't have a, uh, uh, you know, I can't have a life. I can't get married. I can't have children. I, I'm, you know, all things being equal, I'm just going to be gone out of here if I make it. I always wondered if I was going to make it. That, that means I didn't know if I was or not. Amen. A lot of people wonder if they're going to make it. Well, we're going to help you not. After we get finished with this for a couple of months, you're going to know whether you are or you're not. Amen. So, I felt really uh, robbed of that. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I found out later as I begin to serve God, and this is something you got to realize. If you're a young person uh, here tonight and you think, well, you know, your pastor's getting up and talking about Jesus coming back, talking about the rapture. Well, I want, a, I want a chance to live. Well, yeah, you got to understand, you're going to live so much better with God, with Jesus in heaven than you could ever live down here on the earth. Amen. You say, well, what about getting married? God's got better things than marriage. You say, well, what is it? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Amen. But now, the world system, if you could define what the world system uses, and they do three things with this. They, they intimidate with it, they manipulate with it, and they control with it. You say, now, what, what is that? They use the subject of death to intimidate, to manipulate, and to control. Now, we're seeing it now on a level we've never seen before. Amen? You know, there's, there, there's people that, 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 that they're not leaving their house. They're like, I'm not leaving my house. I mean, I know people like, I'm not leaving my house. Why? There is a fear of dying. Now, let me just say this, because uh, you really need to get this in your spirit. If you're a born-again believer... You should not have a fear of dying. And one of the reasons that you should not have a fear of dying is there ain't nothing you can do about it. And why fear is something you can't do anything about? Amen? Secondly, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But this is used by the world system, by Satan, by demon powers. Listen, there are people that, that, that before this ever happened, the fear of death in their life just freaks them out. You know? And it's not that much of reality when you're young. But as you get a little older and friends begin to die off and people begin to die off, it becomes more of a reality. And the enemy is able to manipulate, especially later on in the years of your life. He's able to intimidate, manipulate, and control based on the fear of dying. Now, where does this situation gain its power? Right there. Right there. That's where its power is. You can get it and you can die. Well, let me help you with that. <laughs> you can walk out the door and get hit by the bread truck coming around the corner and you could die. Amen. You could be driving home and an airplane could crash on top of you and you could die. I mean, if you begin, listen, if you begin to meditate and think about all of the what could happens to you that could cause you to die, listen, you'd, you'd never get out of bed. You'd, you'd lay in bed with the covers pulled up over your head all the time. You could die. Now, did you find Hebrews chapter, chapter 2? Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look at verse 14. We can kind of jump into it right here. It says, for as much as the children, everybody say the children, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, now this speaks of Jesus. We can say it like this. Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same. You say, well, now what does that mean? Jesus took part of flesh and blood. God came down and got in a body. God knows what it's like to be human. You say, how, now God knows what it's like. Yes, he does. Because he lived on the earth 33 and a half years as a human being. So he is a partaker 
of flesh and blood. Everybody say flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same that through death, now listen to this, that through death he might destroy them, him that had power of death, that is the devil. Somebody ought to get happy. Let me read that again. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now listen. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, did you get that? Now, this is actually painting the picture of an individual that does not know the goodness and grace and mercy of a loving God, that does not know the reality of a Savior that took your, uh, took your iniquity, or eradicated your sin. Uh, they don't know that. So they live in bondage to the fear of death. Did you know the lifestyle of wanting to just get everything out of life that you possibly can because you only get one shot at it? That's prevalent in the world, all over the world today. Why, why is, uh, you know, the, the vice industries that cater to man, uh, drugs and alcohol and perverse lifestyles, they're just exploding right now all over the earth. People are trying to, to, to feed this oppression, this fear of death that is upon them. They're so afraid that I'm going to get this and I'm going to die and it's being propagated upon them and put upon them day after day, week after week. Now we're into months of it and it's not going to get any better. I heard today, I was, I was uh, uh, coming back from a place I was down in, a, uh, in the center part of town, I was coming back home, and, and a study from one of the major universities have said that the virus has already mutated. And then y'all heard that today? It's already mutated and it's gotten stronger. You might die. <laughs> Amen. But listen, Jesus defeated the one who had the power of death. He does not have that power anymore. Now, I listened this week. I, I just, you know, I've been listening to some things. And this is some old teaching that took place back in the early 80s. And this individual that was teaching had researched six people who had died and gone to heaven. I mean, now these were legitimate. The one that was I found to be uh, one of the most outstanding was a, a little boy. And he loved God. His dad was a pastor. They lived in Los Angeles. And his dad was a pastor. And, and they, loved, uh, they loved Fred Price. How many know who Fred Price is? He Crenshaw Christian Center there in California. Great church. His son pastors it now. But uh, he loved Fred Price. So he rigged up a little TV. So when he got up in the morning and went in and took his bath, he could watch Fred Price on the television. And one day, with the bathtub full of water, the, 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 te the television, little television set fell in the bathtub. Now it electrocuted him. And the parents, it was 12 minutes before the parents uh, got up there and found him in the bathtub and got everything unplugged, got him out. And, and, and the dad used to be a, a fireman, so he knew he'd seen death before. And he said he looked at his son and his son was dead. And he said they went and got the EMTs. They came. They began all the things that the EMTs uh, try to do to get the, uh, the young boy back to life. And nothing was working. And, and they got him to the hospital. And for an hour and 45 minutes, there was no heartbeat. Uh, there was no brain waves. There was nothing. He was dead. He was clinically dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Now, after about 40 minutes to 45 minutes of you being dead, 
your blood begins to turn to like an acid-like, uh, 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 what would you call it, a, a liquid in your body. Your kidneys, which are your strong, that's your strongest organ, they begin to putrefy and literally any liquid that comes out of you now is just this black, cloudy looking liquid and that's all that was coming out of him. I mean, he was dead. But all of a sudden, there was a little blip on that monitor and it blipped and blipped again and started blipping, started blipping. But the doctors told the dad, we're not going to keep him in the hospital. He's dead. You need to unplug all of this. We're not going to. So they took him to a home. And in the period of about a year and a half, with him every day playing the Word of God, that boy came back to life. He's living today. He's a living young man living today. Now that young man spent an hour and 45 minutes in heaven. Now one of the most profound things that he said was this. He said, never feel sorry for anybody that dies. His dad asked him, he said, what happened? He said, all I knew is all of a sudden, an angel swooped down into that bathtub and picked me up and we landed on our feet in the city of heaven on the streets in which the gold is so pure that it's crystal clear. And he started talking about uh, meeting Jesus, about going to meetings in heaven. Well, I don't really like going to church. You won't like heaven. He said, he said, the choir, he said it was like a, like a Methodist choir with these beautiful robes on. Walked up there all stiff and straight. And then the choir leader came up. And when they did, that choir began to shout and dance and glorify God. And he said the choir leader was David. And he began to talk about all the things he experienced in heaven. And the Lord told him, you're going to go back. You're going to tell people about heaven. And you're going to tell them never to worry about death again. Because literally your angel will come get you. There'll be no pain in it whatsoever. And you'll be absent from your body. And you'll be present with Christ. See, that's what Jesus did for us. He destroyed the one that had the power of death. Now, if you remember last week, we had a unique servant last week. The lights went out and we, we just kind of, you know, just kind of rolled through an introduction. But we talked about being on borrowed time. Everybody say borrowed time. Now, we know, I believe over, over Luke chapter 17, it talks about that in the last days, it'd be like the days of Noah. And how Noah, from the time God spoke to him about the, the, the flood, was a hundred years. Now, now, if you go, I think I marked the scripture. Let me go look at it. I believe it's in Peter. Yeah, go to 1 Peter. Look at this. I want you to see these scriptures. Now, I couldn't do it last week because it was so dark in here. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning there in verse uh, 18, it says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Isn't that powerful? That he might bring us to God, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Everybody say spirits in prison. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight, souls were saved by water. So God was waiting on Noah. Amen? Listen, God, God doesn't just come in here to the earth and usurp the business of the earth without permission. Did you know that? 
I believe it was John Wesley that said, it seems God can do nothing on earth unless men pray. Amen? So God did not usurp that. God came down, basically, if you study the scripture, he found in Noah a man that was righteous and perfect in his genealogy is what it says. We'll go look at that in a minute. But during that hundred years, God was waiting on Noah to bring judgment to the earth. And during that hundred years, Noah preached a message of righteousness. Amen? And guess what? A powerful move of God. Noah preached righteousness for a hundred years and eight people got saved. Eight people got saved. Thank God they did. We wouldn't be here if they didn't. Eight people got saved. Now, in that, God brought to an end the violence that was upon the earth. And the violence and the... We'll go read it in just a minute in Genesis. You can turn over. I believe it's Genesis chapter 6. The violence and the perverseness uh, that was upon the earth, I believe, was even on a greater level than it is now because there were beings on the earth that had encroached onto the earth illegally and they had produced a race of basically supermen who were involved in super sin. Everybody say supermen? Super sin. Now, now, now go to Genesis. Let's look at that just a moment. Now everybody say purpose. You say, what's the purpose of all this? Number one, I'm warning you. You say, you're warning us. It's time to serve God, church. I said, it's time to serve God. You don't want to miss what God is doing. And if the rapture is scheduled for our generation to end this dispensation, you don't want to miss it. You say, you mean I can miss it? You can miss it. You can be a Christian and miss the rapture. You don't give me any amens on that. Uh, you know, now I say that by revelation from the Word, but let me tell you from experience. Raised in church, her teaching. I, I believe Brother J.R. Goodwin was one of the premier uh, uh, end-time preachers uh, before any of the other end-time preachers came on the scene. I had a whole set of cassette tapes that kind of went bad on me, uh, bad on me uh, in which he preached on the book of Revelation. I wish I could get them restored somehow. But uh, uh, he could preach. He, he knew that stuff. He knew it by, by Revelation. And I knew about the rapture. I knew about the second coming of Jesus. I knew the order they would be. I knew about the seven years of tribulation. I knew about all of that. And listen, in 12 years of being away from God, the phrase that haunted me more than any other phrase was this. If the rapture happens, you're not going to make it. Now listen, I was in, I had a relationship with God, but I'd broken the fellowship. Amen. I said I had a relationship with God, but I'd broken that fellowship. Twelve years had broken that fellowship. What if the rapture would have taken place? I wouldn't have gone. What if I'd have died? I'd have went to heaven. See, a lot of people have, have a hard time with that. I remember I was preaching for a pastor in Central Texas at a country church and I'd preached on it and shown him that in the Word of God and, and he told me, he said, he said, hey, there ain't no way. He said, there ain't no way you could have gone. You would have died. If you'd have died, you'd have gone straight to hell. I said, then you're telling me my sin was greater than his blood. He didn't say anything after that. No, I was out of fellowship with God, but that initial relationship through the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Ghost was still there. You say, how can you say that? Because I'm here today. 
Once the fellowship got restored and I began to serve God, then all of that got taken care of and I've been able to progress down through life serving God the way I'm supposed to. Now let me say this. God wants you to serve Him. God wants you to serve Him. Now listen to me. God wants you to serve Him the way He wants you to serve Him, but He wants you to want to. Now let me say that again. God wants you to serve Him the way He wants you to serve Him, but He wants you to want to to serve Him the way He wants you to serve Him. Now you say, well, that's, that's very abstract. Well, what about you? You get married. Your husband or wife. Don't you want your husband or wife to be a husband or wife the way you want them to be? And to want to? I mean, if you marry somebody says, oh, I don't want to be like, I want to do it. You ain't going to be married long. Amen? If all you do is butt heads over everything, you're not going to be married long. But people, when they get married, they're in a covenant and they figure out how to live with one another. It takes some time, but how that would, how does this person want me to live with them? And I want to live with them that way. God wants the same thing. You say, well, I've pretty much chosen how I'm going to serve God and I, I just, this is what I'm going to do and this is my limit and that's all. You're going to find yourself in trouble. I said, you're going to find yourself in trouble. It is time for people to recognize there is a way to serve God. God wants you to serve Him that way, but He wants you to be willing to do it. Now, this is what I found out through the years. That anything in my life that I just didn't, I just, well, God wants me to serve Him that way, but I, I really don't want to do that. By study of the Word of God and submission to it, God removed that and gave me the desire. I remember when I first uh, started hearing about tithing when I was in Bible school. And I thought, man, I ain't got no money. I go out and preach in these little churches. I give you a $100 offering. And man, this guy wants $10 of my $100. And, and then he's always talking about missions and all about this and all about that. And, and want me to give him an offering here and an offering there. And I was a, there was a resistance in me, especially financially, of how I was to serve God with my money. But then I started figuring it out. I started being submissive to the Word of God. I began to tithe and offer. I remember what uh, Dr. Oral Roberts taught. He kept going saying this, Rusty, one dime out of every dollar. One dime out of every dollar. One dime. He said, I built a university on one dime out of every dollar. Amen? So I began to obey that. Then all of a sudden, I figured out that's the way God wants me to serve Him financially. The benefits started flowing in. The blessing started coming. That's why I tell people all the time, don't give mad, don't give angry, don't give upset, don't give in fear. Because that's not from your heart. And there's other ways. We're gonna, uh, some of you, if you'll listen to our, our little 10-minute teachings, I'm teaching on sanctification right now, and that's a, we're going to bring that into this where we understand what sanctification really is and how we have to allow that work of sanctification to take place in our lives so we don't look like the world, smell like the world, act like the world, so that we can serve God the way He wants us to. Did you find Genesis 6? I just got a couple of minutes. Let's try to stay on subject. Amen. Now notice verse 1 says, It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives 
of all which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth, and in those days also after that. And when the sons of God uh, came unto the daughters of men, and they bare them children, to them and the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now listen to this. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and grieved him at his heart. Whoa! God is like, I made a mistake. I'm sorry I made man. What have I done? Look at all these idiots down here on the earth. Come on, church. There was violence. There was massive... I believe during this span of time, much of what we call the legends and myths of mythology were birthed. Amen? Even, even, myth, even mythology and myths have an, have an origin. And I believe a lot of it goes back to that. I believe there were societies and people that were on the earth. But listen, it was an illegal act. These angels had followed Satan's what would you call it? Satan's cue in coming down to the earth and illegally entering into mankind. It was not legal for the sons of God to mate with the daughters of men. It was not legal to do it. And out of that came a super race of super sinners. And man, the, earth, the Bible says the entire earth was corrupted. Now listen, listen to this. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from off the face of the earth. Both man, now notice this, both man and beast and creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Whoa! He didn't like nothing about the entire earth. It had been corrupted by Satan. Sin, iniquity, immorality of every kind. I'm telling you, and you think about the entire population of the earth, and he finds one man. Everybody say one man. Now notice this. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Everybody say generations. generations. Noah was, not, notice this, just, a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Now let me, tell you, let, let, me, let me show you something. All of these people that came out of these, of these, of these offspring of the, of the sons of God, and the daughters of men had no access to God. They had no access to God. It was not in their DNA. And in Noah, God found a man, and you can go study the entire lineage of Noah, where it come from Adam and the woman, it come from Seth, it went down through the, down through the uh, generations of man. And in, in, in Noah, he found a man who was still a pure human. His blood and his DNA was not tainted with the sons of God. He found a perfect man. And in that perfect man, apparently, the heritage and the lineage had carried on a relationship with God. On whatever level that was, he was still there. He was still connected to God. And even though the entire earth was corrupt, God could still use a man 
that was connected to him. Amen? Isn't that cool? Now notice this. It says that Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt. It's, listen to it in the Amplified. I was reading in the Amplified. It's just mind blowing. It said, God looked on the world and saw how degenerate and debased and vicious it was. For all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth. Now notice this. And lost their true direction. They lost their true direction. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled uh, with violence through them. It says in the Amplified, God said to Noah, uh, I intend to make an end of all flesh. For through man, the land is filled with violence. Behold, I will destroy them and the land. Whoa. Now, if you study your scriptures, if you're a Bible student, the Bible says for all of us to study, to show ourselves approved. There was a curse upon the land that God had put on the land after the sin of Adam and the woman. Did you know that curse was lifted after the flood? If it was not lifted after the flood, we couldn't grow crops. The earth would still be corrupt. But that curse was lifted after the flood. But even in the flood, what did God want to kill? He wanted to kill everything. That corruption and that violence had gotten even into the, into the animal kingdom. Gotten into the animal kingdom. You know, even today, I was listening to uh, the, uh, some of the prophecies of Dr. Lester Summerall, and he talked about how in these last days uh, that, that men interacting with animals was going was gonna to go to levels unheard of or unseen before. Did you know that's happening right now? That's happening right now. There are things on the earth right now that are so debased that you can't even talk about them in public with normal people. Did you realize that? That's going on right now. Going on right now. All kinds of perverse things that man, just like Jesus said, the way it will be in the last of the last days, is that's the way it was in the days of Noah before the flood. That's where we're at right now. But thank God there's not just one righteous man. There's a righteous nation upon the earth. I said there's a righteous nation on the earth. And that nation is made up of every race, every other nation on the earth. It came out of the human family and it is now God's family. And we'll see next week when we start studying that, we are the ones in control of this earth right now. And we are the ones withholding that which is going to come on this earth. That means as long as we are still here, everything the adversary has planned to bring this one world government, to bring the Antichrist, to bring everything you see in Daniel and all that other crazy stuff onto the earth, it cannot happen as long as we are still here because we are of the lineage. Now listen to me. We are of the lineage of the perfect. You're not getting that. I said, you're not really getting that. If you really got that, you'd think a whole lot more of yourself than you do right now. That means there is a spiritual DNA in you. When you got born again, that spiritual DNA that was even in Noah, that was even in Adam and his wife, that was even in Jesus, that is in you right now. And when God looks down on the earth, He may see Brazil and America and Mexico and Cuba and Canada and Ireland and other nations and say, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt 
corrupt, but he sees the church, another nation, and it is not corrupt. It is righteous and should be sanctified and holy before God. No wonder the enemies attack the church so strong. Some people think, oh, it's just some light thing that, you know, people get offended and leave churches and people do this, do that, and people get all stirred up. No, no, that is a, listen, that is a calculated attack of Satan. He hates this nation. I'm not talking about America. Because America's not keeping him from doing what he wants to. The church is. The intercession of the church, the righteousness of the church, the holiness of the church. And in this day and hour, as we press and pray for revival and awakening, I guarantee you, that's not going to stop the enemy. He's going to continue to bring pressure against us. But in the midst of it, the grace will rise to greater levels for where sin abounds, grace. Oh, you need to get a hold of that tonight. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize we're heading into dimensions of grace that the church has never been in before because the sin that is on the earth right now, and I'm going to tell you, the major, we talk about all the sins of the flesh that people are involved in. But the major sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ upon this earth. And I'm telling you, he is rejected by the nations of the world. You, there's many nations you can't even speak his name without going to jail. There's many nations that will not allow Bibles, will not allow missionaries, will not allow anybody to come in there. And many other nations that do allow it, but they still oppose it with everything they have. That's the major sin of the human family right now. But the good news is, where sin abounds, that's where grace does much more abound. Now, in close, my time's up. In Noah's day, he was commissioned by God to build a, a, a physical ark. I believe somewhere, isn't there an ark somewhere? Where, where's George? Isn't there an ark somewhere? You're talking about going to see the ark. That some guy actually, I, I looked that up, some guy actually built it according to the plans that they found in the Bible. Now, the ark, do you know what the ark is? The ark is a type of Christ. If I would have lived back in that day, I would have believed Noah. And I would have wanted to be on the ark. Amen? Because you go study what Jesus said. He said they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were eating. They were drinking. They were doing all that violence, everything that God was so mad at. They were doing all of that until the day that Noah entered in the ark. The Bible says, who shut the door? God shut the door. That means nobody else gets in. He is giving us a picture of those in Christ and the day God will shut the door. You need to know, you need to know what side of the door you're on when the door gets shut. I said, you need to know what side of the door you're on when the door gets shut. Because I tell you one thing, I have no desire to live on this earth during seven years of judgment and tribulation when the third of the population dies, when the oceans turn to blood, when a horrible asteroid hits the earth and shakes it to its very foundation and the entire world system falls into that antichrist system and all that goes on. And let me just say this, my last statement. 
heard a guy teach on this one time, somebody I respect, respect quite a lot, powerful man of God. And he said, a lot of believers who have heard teaching like this and say, well, you know, if I miss it, that's okay. I'll make it through the tribulation. Let me just tell you something. If you can't serve God in the good times, what makes you think you're going to serve God in the rough times? So you better serve God now. Now is the time to take your fellowship, because you got a relationship through the new birth, but to take your fellowship with Him to the next level, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to be with Him. Sure, church is part of it, giving is part of it, missions is part of it, but your personal relationship with God, you need to commune with your heavenly Father all day long. Always have your mind fixed upon Him, your heart fixed upon Him, where at any moment He could speak something to you and you would instantaneously obey and do what God's called you to do. In doing that, I guarantee you, your fellowship with God will grow sweeter and sweeter and sweeter till the day He sends, He looks down at Jesus and says, go get them today. It'll be what? It'll be instantaneous. We'll study that here in a couple of weeks. The Bible says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that, that in the, that in the uh, actual Greek, if you study it back down, bring it into modern English, it's the word in an atomic second. That's quicker than a blink. The entire church vanishes off the earth. Can I tell you one more story? I saw this on the History Channel about seven or eight years ago. You might can look it up on the internet. NASA was posed with a question. How do we handle the disappearance of millions of people from off the earth. The, gov the U.S. government, which, you know, NASA's part of, they were the ones that, you know, were given this particular question to answer. So they looked at it. Now, the, the question was, how do we handle it? So they were, you can tell they weren't expecting to go up. They weren't expecting to disappear. How do we handle that? So they came up with a program and a protocol and this is what they said. They said, if millions of people disappear from the United States, if they disappear, in two weeks, we can have the nation running again like it should. The trauma of it will be over. The people will be gone. We'll figure out what to do with all the financial and things that go on. But we'll be able to take this thing back to a place of normal within two weeks. And I think they came up with three different things they're going to talk about, paradigm shifts, things that happen, people of a certain, uh, of a certain genetic makeup. That's what they said, people of a certain genetic makeup. That's us. Amen. They're just going to be gone. And so they've already got the program in place to deal with it. Well, good. I'm glad they do. Because one day we're going to be gone. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we have to be busy about the master's business. Because that's the ones that are withholding evil and keeping that which the adversary desires to do off of the earth. What an exciting day to live in. I'm telling you, if you're not excited about this day, you need to get saved. If you're not excited about being alive at this time, oh my goodness, this is the most exciting time in the world to be alive. And I, let me just say this. 
if you go by way of the grave, if you, if you pass away, go by way of the grave, in the next few years before this happens, you're not going to be in heaven too long before you'll be coming back down. And you'll be up there in the air to meet the ones that are coming up. And you won't be there long. You say, why? Because the Bible says we're headed for heaven for seven years. Amen? I believe of training, which we learn how to be the righteousness of God in Christ the way we should before we get that glorified body come right back down to the earth. What a time we're in for. Aren't you glad? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you that you've allowed us to be alive in this day and this hour. Let the excitement, Lord, the excitement and the challenge of that which you've called us to do and the people you've called us to be in this day and hour, let it resonate in our souls and our spirit. And like you said in your word, to comfort one another with these words, he's coming back. Just like he left, he's coming back in those clouds. What a glorious day that'll be in Jesus' name. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name this evening. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, as is the tradition of Island Church. We pray over our protection, our safety. Thank you, Lord God. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Thank you that angels have charge over us. Lord, we thank you whether we travel on the, the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you that we are the protected of Almighty God. Thank you, Lord, Father. As we leave tonight and go back tomorrow morning to jobs and businesses, Thank you, no accidents, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men, no coronavirus of any kind can harm us because we abide under the shadow of the Most High God. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance. Lord, people are waiting for hope, waiting for words of comfort and peace and righteousness. Empower your people tonight. Let the fire of personal evangelism burn in our hearts and spirits. Let us leave this place answering the clarion call of God to go into all the nations, go into all of our world and preach, proclaim and live the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness toward us. Father, we thank you all that you're doing that you're going to do, that you've done, we give you praise, worship, and adoration for being such a good God in our midst. Father, we thank you tonight for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We depart this place as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you.